scripture passage comes from Genesis 41 and 42. Let's read together. We'll be reading from Genesis 41, verse 53, to Genesis 42, verse 5. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all lands, but all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And basically do nothing. He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. This is God's word. Amen. Good morning, New Hope. My name is Charles Lee. I serve as a pastor in Mississauga campus, and I have the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. Can we, if you are home, worshiping with your family members, can you greet one another by saying grace and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was reflecting that word from Philippians 1 this morning, it struck me how whenever Paul wrote his letter, he would greet his church by saying first, grace of God and peace of God in Jesus Christ be with his people. And how much we need that greeting from one another as we go through this trying season. Things are changing and have been changing rapidly and drastically for the past few weeks, even past 24 hours. So this morning we had to uh, make last minute change even for our worship service because we had more than five people on stage and we said, you know, the government said last night, not more than five people gathering. So we only had four people on stage this morning. We never thought we we're going to be having this live stream worship service on Sunday. And here you are. I'm in this big empty sanctuary. I believe angels here, the, the saints in spirit are here, but I'm looking at the camera and you're looking at the screen to join our worship service this morning. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, who is alive and real, will use our time together this morning in God's word to encourage you, to inspire you, to instruct you, and to equip you so that you and I can stand firm in the Lord in this season. When things are uncertain and unclear, we are to come to the Word of God for clarity of perspective and certainty in His promise. 
We have to come to the word of God and be anchored in his truth for certainty of his promise and clarity of perspective. And today's passage, amazingly, is so timely for such a time as this. The historical context of the passage that we just read in Genesis 41 and 42 is very similar to our time. Not exactly the same, but similar. As you read just now, the nations back then are suffering from a pandemic. It's not a pandemic of disease. It's a pandemic, which means all people, literally all people suffering from famine. Millions of people are hungry and suffering from hunger, including Jacob and his family, who are the covenant family of God. And we see in the midst of the pandemic, a famine, in that situation of crisis, God is at work. As one pastor says, when God is doing 10,000 things in our lives, we only know and become aware of three things, maybe I don't want to be presumptuous that I know what God is up to. But from the passage this morning, we can see how God is at work through a famine, through a pandemic, through COVID-19 for the good of his people. If you and I were to meditate and memorize a Bible verse this season, it would have to be Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28, let's read aloud together. And we know that for those who love God and are all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know and believe that God works for all things, all things, including COVID-19 or anything we go through in life for our good? For those of us who love God and are called according to his purpose, we can be assured this morning that God is at work, not only for his glory, but for our good. Again, I want to be careful and clear here. I don't mean COVID-19 is good. It's not good. People are dying because of that virus. And I am mindful of healthcare workers in the front lines risking their lives to serve those who are sick and needy. I'm I'm mindful of people who have lost their jobs and shut down their businesses and not complete the semester. Things are not good. COVID-19 is not good. But, but, we do believe that God can and does work together all things for his glory, and for our good. So the question this morning is this. How can God use COVID-19 for our good? When things are crumbling apart, things don't look good, how can God use COVID-19 for our good? And from today's passage, we see at least two things. God can use COVID-19 or any crisis or pandemic. Number one, to recenter our lives. Recenter our lives in Christ so that we can experience spiritual renewal. Number two, he can use COVID-19 or any pandemic or crisis to lead us 
into repentance so that we can experience reconciliation and refinement, healing in our relationship, not only with God, but with one another. So let's start with point number one. God can use COVID-19 to help us recenter our lives in Christ. All of us would agree that this virus has had a seismic, earthquake-like effect in all of our lives, not just in our economy or finance, but even in our school, in our family life, in our church life. It changed our social dynamic overnight. It has shaken things up a lot. Yes, again, COVID-19 is not good, but it's good that we are shaken up a bit because it's, it's waking us up. This seismic shakeup is something that God may be using to wake us up, to set our lives straight, and to put things in right priority and to recenter our lives in Christ. If I ask many of you, not now, but two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a lot of our how are you's, how are things would be, my life is busy. I'm busy, you're busy, we're all busy. We got things to do for work, school, leisure, entertainment. I don't have time to read Bible. I don't have time for prayer. It's quality time with the family, uh, that, that's special. Going to missions, that's a luxury. Now everything came to a halt. Everything came to a stop. School shut down, the workplaces shut down, the business shut down, even churches are shut down down except for this live streaming service government has shut down all non-essential workforces or places and services and it's as though god is using the government at this season to stop to stop all of our activities to waken us up to think about what really matters and to recenter our lives in christ and we need to discern we need to hear the voice of God. What is God trying to teach us? What is God trying to show us? When we come to our passage this morning, we don't have time to go through carefully or closely. We see three problems. Famine or pandemic was not the only problem. The physical problem was only one of the problems. There are two other problems. One other problem was a spiritual problem. You see the, the people of God are prayerless purposeless, um, in a spiritual slumber. Not only there's a spiritual problem, there's a relational problem, there's a family problem. And if you know a little bit about Joseph's family, it was a family with lots of dysfunction, unlike or unlike, like many of our families. So first, the relationship problem the family. Jacob's family had Lots of problems. He had two wives and two concubines, and we know that one wife is enough. And he had 12 sons out of those four women, a lot of sons. He had a favorite wife, Rachel, through whom he had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And you know, the favorite wife's two kids would have been the favorite children of Jacob. So there was a favoritism which bred 
sibling rivalry, which caused other ten brothers to hate Joseph and try to kill him. It ends up selling Joseph as a slave. They, they lie about and cover up what they did to their father. And by the time the famine hits, they're living as though nothing happened. They didn't do anything wrong. They're living together, but they're not really talking to each other. They're not really working t- together. And their father, Jacob, is barking at them. Read Genesis 42.1. Jacob says, Why do you just look at each other? How come you're not thinking about how to figure out our food problem? Bring some food. Didn't you hear in the news that there is some food in Egypt? You should go there. Team up and figure things out for the family. So there's a family problem, but there's also a spiritual problem. We see that, again, God's people are spiritually in slumber. Last time we saw Jacob praying, communing with God, in Genesis, is in chapter 35. Many, many years, months and years have passed since Jacob genuinely sought after God and God's direction, God's mission and purpose. He was basically living as a practical atheist. He would watch the news. He would, he would click on the TV and, and get all the updates about COVID-19, but he would not open the Bible. He would not think about praying. He's getting anxious because he doesn't want to die. That's why he tells his sons, go get some food so that we may live and not die. In verse 2, he says, Behold, I have heard in the news that there's grain, bread, rice for sale in Egypt or at Costco. Go down and buy some grain and some toilet papers for us that we may live and not die. And we see in this passage, again, very timely, God is using the physical problem to deal with a spiritual problem and a relationship problem, a more fundamental problems. And I believe from this passage, we can see how God can use COVID-19 to deal with our spiritual struggles and problems and our relationship problem. God is good and wise, all-knowing, all-sovereign, all-gracious, and He can use anything for His glory and for our good. One of the things that God can do through COVID-19 is really stripping away all the non-essentials for us to focus on what is really essential. Read with me verse 2 and 3. And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain. They went down to get grain. In times of famine, we go for grain, not gummy bears. Okay? Kids, no gummy bears, but grain. In times of crisis, we go for sustenance, not sweets. When people went out for panic buying, they didn't go after chocolate and candies. They went after meat and potatoes. And yes, some of you, we went for bag of potatoes and potato chips. 
But there was a clear priority. We went after sustenance, not sweets. And crisis brings clarity to what is essential and what is non-essential. And we need to think through what is essential and what is non-essential for ourselves. What is essential really, really for our life and for our church? We need to be praying together with Paul what he prays in, first, uh, in, 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 um, in Philippians 1, first chapter of Philippians. Paul prays this for the church. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Uh, that word is translated in other versions. What is best or what really matters? What is essential? So that there's a purpose. So that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. We should be praying in this season, O oh Lord God, grant us clarity and discernment to know what really matters to you and to us eternally for this life and for the next life. And if we strip away everything, everything, what really matters for life is Jesus. What matters, as Pastor Jason Yaw just prayed, is not what school you go to and what degree you earn. Yeah, I mean, that's worth gold to achieve. Or what company you enter and how much money you make and how big a house you live in. Or even what kind of ministry you build. If you strip away everything, what matters is whether you have life in Christ, whether you love God, whether you love one another. We hear the story in a deathbed. People don't talk about how much money they have in the bank account. But they think about three things I hear. Faith, family, or two things, faith and family. Or friends, those are three things. The relationship with God and relationship with one another. And ultimately, the life in Jesus Christ. Jesus says this in Matthew 10, verse 28 to 31. This is another verse that you want to meditate this season. Jesus says this to his disciples. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. COVID-19 can kill the body, but it cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Wow. We don't fear death. For those of us who love God, who are called according to God's purpose, who have life of Christ in us, 
We know that COVID-19 does not change the number of our days in the book of life. God has it all. And even if we die, we will live with Christ forever. That's the first thing that we need to be clear about. What is essential? What is not essential? What is essential is, do you have life in Christ? Are you saved? And if you can say yes to that question, I have life of Christ. You know what I'm talking about. You have the peace of God that surpasses your understanding, my understanding, that guards your heart and mind in Jesus Christ. That as being the foundation, life in Christ, we should audit our life to discern how we have been spending our time and our money. What's been our priority, really? During this season, we can bring clarity what is essential, what is not essential. Again, same applies to the church. That's exactly what I did with my Mississauga campus pastoral staff. We put two columns on big white board. One column had non-essential, another column had essential, and we listed what is essential ministries that we cannot give up during this season. And that will clarify how we are to do life and ministry together at New Hope at our church. And so as we are recentering our lives, there are two things I encourage you, all of you, to do as an application. Many of you are doing it already. But I encourage you to be in the Word of God before you turn on the news to check the latest update on COVID-19 as much as it's needed. You don't need to watch the news every minute, every hour and get all the updates. You need to be anchored in the Word of God. As we just sang, the hope is in Christ and His promises. So I encourage you, and this is my practice, I'm intentional not to turn on my phone or my computer. First thing I do is to open my Bible, spend a good time in the Word, communing with God. Word and prayer. Word and prayer. I ask you to build an intentional habit of Bible reading and praying. That's our meat and potatoes. Make this season to be a season of spiritual renewal for you and your family. And I ask you to continue to keep in contact with a small band of brothers and sisters. Those of you who are part of a life group, we're using sermon-based discussion. Um, the discussion questions are available online for today's sermon as well. Call, text, do a video chat. Social distancing does not mean social disconnection. We need each other. We need encouragement from one another. God has given this opportunity to actually go deeper and be more genuine in our care and love for one another. And as we are move, uh, as we move towards or back to Christ, we centering our lives to Christ or around Christ, we will experience revival and renewal, corporately, individually, and as a family. Again, God can use COVID nineteen to bring about a spiritual revival in churches all across the globe. 
And again, I'm not, I'm not saying this as a prediction. I see this in the Bible, in Jacob's life. You know how Jacob is dormant. He doesn't, he doesn't think about praying. He doesn't think about asking God what to do in this life and death situation. He just watches the news and tries to go to Costco and get some more food. Now, God is tenacious and faithful. He doesn't let his people go. His love is so resilient, never ending, never giving up love. He doesn't allow Jacob to live in spiritual slumber too long. When we come to chapter 43, when Jacob ends up sending his sons to Egypt the second time, the way he sends, the manner with which he sends his sons is very different. There was a, a spiritual awakening happening through famine. And again, COVID-19, God can use to bring about spiritual revival. When we read Genesis 43, 14a, Jacob prays. He doesn't just send his children. He prays. He says, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. May he send back your other brother and Benjamin. Now he is recentered around God. He doesn't think about just, I don't want to die. Now he's recentered in God to live his life with his spirit being renewed. He doesn't just watch the news with COVID 19 updates, he prays. And if he had the Bible, he would read the Bible. And again, I believe God can use COVID-19 for our good by helping us to be recentered in Christ and also bring about spiritual renewal and revival as we come together to pray and seek his face, not just for ourselves, but for the people of the city. And that's why we are inviting you to join our 21 day of fasting and prayer. Some of you signed up. I invite more people to sign up before the season of Lent ends. That was the first point. God can use COVID-19 for spiritual revival, renewal, by recentering our lives in Christ again. Not only does God bring about spiritual renewal through a physical problem, we also learn from the passage, God brings a relational renewal, a reconciliation out of the physical problem. God can use COVID-19 to lead us into repentance of our sins, through which we will experience renewal in our relationships. I don't know about you, but since the COVID-19 pandemic hit us a few weeks ago in Canada, one of the first things that God did in my heart was to repent of my sins. When I thought about people dying because of that virus, I was struck again by the reality of people dying every day without Jesus. And I was led, I believe, by the Spirit to repent of my sin of hoarding the gospel. 
hoarding the gospel to myself and to our church in so many ways for so many days. And we know as followers of Jesus, there is a greater pandemic that is affecting every single person in this world. It's not COVID-19, it's sin. We have all sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whereas COVID-19 does not have the vaccine, we have the vaccine for the ultimate virus, sin. God has provided us with the vaccine for our sins so that we may not die. Jesus Christ and the gospel. So as a church, may we be awakened to that fundamental reality during the season. And may God fuel my heart and your heart for missions, for local missions and for global missions. And I'm so thankful and proud of our deacons and members who are willing and, and wanting to help those who are in need. And we as a church will do that for our members, for our, our neighbors, and we are con continuing to pray for our missionaries as we pray together even this morning, as Pastor Yaw prayed for our missionary partners for global missions. Now, another thing that I, I was led to pray was sin of neglecting the global church. Global church under persecution. You see, again, I'm standing here um, empty. There are three more people in the sanctuary on the first floor. We cannot meet because of social distancing for good reason out of our care and love for the neighbors. We should practice that, but for a different reason, there are a lot of people, thousands of people globally who are not able to meet regularly because they're under persecution. They're only able to meet in small groups, underground. What we are experiencing is in one sense, God awakening to that reality. Yes, I did pray for the persecuted Christians and persecuted churches, but man, I didn't pray the way I should have. God broke my heart for the global church under persecution. I believe, and there are many other things, and I, I've spoken to some of you over the past few weeks and how God has led you to repent of some specific sins in your life. And I believe God can use COVID-19 really to lead us into a deep repentance for deep refinement. And that's what we see in Genesis 42 in Jacob's 10 sons. Again, the famine, the physical problem, brings them to a place to deal with their relationship problem. They've been hiding their sin for many, many years. After having tried to kill their brother Joseph and selling him as a slave for 20 shekels of silver, little piece of money, they lied to their father that Joseph was slaughtered by a wild animal it was a perfect crime. And then they buried that lie deep in their hearts 
and never brought it up. Never brought it up. And they assume that their father would never find about it. And they don't even talk about it themselves. And it had been 20 years. 20 long years of hiding their sin deep, deep in their hearts. And then the famine hits, hunger and desperation. And the famine was not just a famine for God's people. Famine, behind the famine, is the hand of loving God. And I would say, behind the famine is severe mercy. Severe mercy of God, bringing them to a place where they have to come to open up their past sin. That they thought, they had thought that they don't have to deal with. And God starts, God brings about, God initiates saving and healing process for his people. Forcing the families to be together and confront their past sin and confess their sins to one another. And I believe God can use COVID-19 to do the same for all of us. Okay, when we read Genesis 42, verses 41 and 20, uh, verses 21 to 22, we don't have time to go over everything uh, for families, for life groups. I would love to have you do a closer reading of chapter 20 or chapter 42 uh, today or in this coming week. But verse 21 and 22, this is how the brothers finally, they're talking to each other. They're not just looking at each other. They are talking to each other. But what are they talking about? Let's listen. Then they said to one another, in truth, meaning, okay, we've been lying. We've been, we've been living as pretenders as though things are okay when things are not okay. They were, they were guilt-ridden. They were living in shame. God has given us conscience. Unless you deal with your sin problem, you will live under the condemnation and so they deal with the truth. In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul. When he begged us, we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. This distress is not just a famine anymore. Now God is using, again, the physical problem to deal with the spiritual problem and the relational problem. And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? The language of sin. But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. You see, they confess that they are guilty. They confess that they have sinned. And it's the first time in 20 years. 20 long years was needed for them to be awakened to confess their sin. And again, God's intent is to then to free us from the condemnation of our sin. They do not justify themselves by saying that, you know what, if our father did not have favoritism, I would not have done that. 
They do not blame Jacob, their father. They don't justify themselves by saying, it was little brat, Joseph, whose snobbishness and annoyance caused them to hate him and sell him off. They owned up to their own sin. They called sin a sin. They called a spade a spade. No excuse, no justification, no no legitimizing what they did. Just simple confession. Acknowledgement of their sin. And I believe that's exactly what you and I need to do during this season as an individual, as a family, and as a church. And as we do that, as we confess our sins, we not only confess our sins and repent, it leads us to reconciliation in chapter 42. Again, it begins with a guilt-laden brothers looking at each other, unable to talk and figure things out together in the moments of crisis. And then, more chapters later, eventually, this is just the beginning, chapter 42. By the time we come to chapter 45, we see them not only talking to one another, we see them embracing one another, free of guilt and shame and blame. They not only talk to each other, they care for each other genuinely, and they overlook their father's sin of favoritism. And they care genuinely for the well-being of their aged father. They're reconciled to one another. It's amazing how God uses a pandemic, a famine, a physical problem to, to deal with a spiritual and relational problem, to heal us, to reconcile us, not only to him, but to one another, a dysfunctional family coming together through healing and reconciliation by God's grace. There's never been a time like this when families are stuck together. Even this morning, for many of you, stuck together for such a long time. Kids don't go to school. Daddies and mommies don't go to school. We are together, most of us. Some of you are busier than before, depending on what kind of occupation you have. But for many of us, we are stuck together during this season as a family. And it's as though... God is really giving us an opportunity to deal with your family problems, your dysfunction in the family. Because we're too busy to even talk about the issues. We, we, we had the pride not to confess our sins to one another. Now is the time for God to renew our family relationships. Those of you who are married, it's time for you to talk and talk it out. One verse that comes to mind is James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. God wants to heal us, heal our families, heal our broken relationships in the season of COVID-19 crisis. This is a season to confess our sins to one another. We humble ourselves before God and we humble ourselves before one another. This is an opportunity for reconciliation in marriages. 
And parents, it's a season for us to pick up our spiritual leadership in the family by leading our families in worship and discipleship. We are grateful for our education department tirelessly working in this season, providing different resources and videos, but it is fundamental job of parents, fathers and mothers, to raise our next generation to know the Lord, to love the Lord, to follow the Lord. Let's start or restart our family worship. And kids, you're watching this or hearing this message together with your parents. You didn't leave. I'm almost done. Kids, pray for your parents and listen to your parents and obey them. They are your teacher. They are your pastor in this season. They lead you. They guide you at home. Your earthly parents, including myself, are not as perfect, no near perfect, as your loving, perfectly loving and good and wise Heavenly Father. But God has placed your parents to be your spiritual leader in this season. So respect their leadership. Follow their guidance as imperfect as it may be because that's how God has called you and designed you. For those of you who are away from home, maybe it's time for you to write an email, a letter, talk to your parents, your siblings, reconnect with your family members, and you may even have to confess your sin, even today after the service. So let us use this time wisely and well, repenting of our sins, through which we will be refined and we can experience reconciliation. Let me land now. I'll conclude with a message of the gospel. Now, before I land, let me summarize. So how can God use COVID-19 for our good? There are many other things, I'm sure. But from today's passage, we saw two things. God can use it to recenter our lives in Christ so that we can be spiritually renewed. Number two, God can use it also to lead us into repentance so that we can be refined and relationally reconciled. We must see the heart of God in this passage. And we see the heart of God through the action of Joseph. We see God's tender heart and generous provision. A generous heart and a tender heart. Let's read Genesis 42, or in 42, uh, 42 verses 40, uh, 24 and 25. This is how Joseph responds. When he hears the confession of the brothers, Joseph turned away from them and he weeps. He doesn't lash out. He doesn't gloat. He weeps. That's the heart of God. Weeping over his people living in sin and turning away from his sin. That's the tender heart of God. And he returned to them and spoke to them and he spoke to Simeon from them or took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And this is what he, do what he does. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags, not take away their stuff, fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack, to give them provisions for the journey. And, and what? Look at this. This was done for them. Do you see the heart of God here? God has provided not just food for our body, 
but salvation for our life in Jesus Christ. For us. Not just for his glory, but for us. So today, as, I, as we wrap up, let's pray together at this time. Let's pray with a prayer of thanksgiving. Let's thank God for using this crisis to bring about spiritual renewal, to giving us, for, for giving us this opportunity to repent of our sins so that not only are we spiritually renewed, but relationally reconciled. So I'll give you a couple moments to respond in prayer on your own. And if you're sitting together this morning with your family, I invite you to hold hands. If, if, uh, if you are um, watching this or participating in this um, live stream worship service as a family, uh, mommy and daddy and the children, especially the couple, uh, husband and wife, can you please hold your hand together and can we bless one another? The confessing of our sins can ha happen later, but at this time, let's bless one another and pray for one another. Let's pray that God will renew our family in this season. Oh God, will you bless every single families and bring about healing and reconciliation. Not just our personal spiritual renewal, but relational restoration and reconciliation so that we may be sanctified, strengthened in our families, so that we may be ready to do mission together. We may be, to be, be ready to glorify you with our life and, and ministry together. Father, we thank you, finally, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your greatest provision for us, for your tender heart and generous hand fully revealed in the coming, dying, and rising of Jesus Christ. We glorify you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.